Welcome to Primal Learning. Are you a parent who struggles to motivate your child? Are you a teacher who would like some tips on how to manage student behaviour? Are you a school leader trying to determine the best way to support your staff? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Damien Barry, and this is a podcast that explores four broad areas which I believe are important, or at least of interest to many people, and these are learning, schools, education, and teaching. In this podcast, my goal is to debunk myths, provide helpful advice, explore the difficult topics, critique the burning issues and debate the latest trends. I will look at what works, what doesn't, what annoys and what confounds for parents, students, teachers and those who'd simply like to understand a bit more about the world of learning and schooling in general. So let's get into it. Welcome to episode 5 of Primal Learning. In this episode, I will be exploring the concept of teacher burnout and mental health. I thought that I'd look at this topic in this episode as it's been on my mind over the past 12 months. And in particular, I think that with this current virus pandemic, it's really heightened my awareness of teacher well-being. But to be completely honest, I am picking up on some worrying trends over the past three years in particular, where I'm having more and more conversations with teachers around their levels of stress mental fatigue and burnout. And these are teachers who I would consider to be very good teachers who fundamentally have it together. They're competent, committed, caring individuals. I'm seeing them struggle more than normal. So it's been something that I've tried to address in my own school as well. Now, when it comes to burnout, I will include anyone who works in the field of education, such as teacher aides, admin staff, childcare workers, But I suppose I am, in this episode, particularly talking about teachers, largely because this has been my world for some time and it's something that I feel I can legitimately talk about with some credibility at least. So let's start with some stats. Some stats that might serve to support what I'm feeling and seeing in classrooms and staff rooms across the country. So here we go. About one in four new teachers are suffering from emotional exhaustion. One in four. Between 40 and 50% of new teachers leave the profession within the first five years on the job. So we have almost half of our new graduates leaving the job, leaving the profession within their first five years in the classroom. That's a very large attrition rate. Up to a quarter of teachers report psychosomatic manifestations of stress, such as chronic fatigue, shingles, heart palpitations, and recurring headaches. So 25%. So just think about the cohort of teachers at any particular school in the country. A quarter of all those teachers are suffering from some level of psychosomatic manifestations, you know, largely due to the stress and mental fatigue and exhaustion that they're experiencing on the job. Teachers are reporting feelings of being overwhelmed, disrespected, sort of being in a police-like state instead of being educators. Uh, being abused by parents and just overly consumed with paperwork. So some of the, these are some of the, the things they're reporting that I guess is contributing to their stress and burnout in the classroom. So these, these stats, they have me worried for a couple of reasons. So number one, the first reason why they, these sort of stats give me a sort of cause for concern, because it's when a, a stressed or burnt out or disillusioned teacher when this sort of person stands in front of the classroom every day, they're not giving the best of themselves. 
they have nothing left. Now, I know this because I've been there myself at various times of my 20-year-old teaching career. It means, this is what I've found, it means that the kids suffer the consequences more often than not because there's a little less care, a little less feedback, a little less of noticing the small things in the life of a child. There's a little less banter. There's a little less rapport, all of which impacts at some stage, at some level, on academic outcomes. The second thing that worries me about these sort of stats is this, and that is that good teachers lead the profession. You see, intelligent, talented teachers lead the profession because they can. They have other options, which leaves on some occasions those less suitable to teach our kids. Now, this may offend some teachers out there, but it's the truth, and it's an artifact of burnout. I've been at the pointy end of teacher recruitment for some time, and this is what I deal with on occasion. It's what I see. Okay, so we've heard some of the stats, and we have a bit more of awareness of the impact that this has on the teacher profession, on schools, and on our students. But what is causing this stress? What's causing this burnout and decreasing levels of mental health amongst our teachers? I've touched upon it a little bit already, but let's just unpack it a little bit more. You know, if we can identify some of these causes, we can possibly implement some solutions. So here are some causes. Number one, excessive workload. Now, we all get busy at times. Plenty of small business owners out there, for instance, work seven days a week. My wife, she's a, she's a banking and finance lawyer. It's not uncommon for her to work 14-hour days. You know, I, I get it. We all work hard at times. But it's not uncommon as well for teachers to teach all day, prep all night, and to mark all weekend. It, this starts to take a toll on their emotional health, but also on their personal relationships. It's, the, I guess, the, the emotional drain that teaching sometimes, uh, well, that comes with the teaching profession from time to time as well. And, and, you know, that's what we sign up for. We get it. But I guess when, when you couple that with a whole range of other sort of factors that are impacting on mental health, it starts to take a toll. The next point is uh, excessive administration or excessive administrivia. It's the sort of paper shuffling that detracts from lesson prep, from student feedback and professional learning. It's the risk assessments. It's the appraisals. It's the forms that you have to fill out for excursions and professional learning, forms for resource purchases and event planning. It's the justifications for decisions around student behaviour, justifications to parents as to why their child was sat outside the classroom, despite the fact that they were warned several times for acting like a goose. So, so anyway, you get the point. That there's a, there's a place for paperwork, absolutely. We're not saying that, or I'm not saying that, you know, teachers should be exempt from just doing all their paperwork. They should be just turning up and delivering a lesson and going home. It's, it's, not, that, it's not that at all. It's just about finding a balance the amount of paperwork that teachers are expected to do that's not detrimental to their daily you know, work and what they're trained to do, what they're actually you know, fundamentally paid to do, and that is to teach um, students in their classroom. So the next point is around a lack of mentoring. So I think a lack of mentoring... In our, in our schools across the country contribute to teacher burnout, to teacher poor levels of mental health at the very least. You see, early career teachers, they need mentoring. They need lots of it. Generally, hopefully, from experienced teachers. This is absolutely critical to their ongoing professional learning. You, you, you know, what I've seen is that we can get more out of a productive mentoring relationship than any, any other type of professional learning over the course of the year. 
So these sort of relationships are absolutely critical. For some schools, either these older teachers do not exist, or they are so consumed with their own workloads they don't have the time, and they too may be suffering from burnout. Another contributor to teacher stress and mental fatigue is poor student behaviour. So this is a big stressor, especially when this is not supported by parents. What do I mean by this? It's, it's, when, it's when the poor behaviour of the child is endorsed or ignored by the parent or even the senior leaders within a school for that matter. Other stresses may include things like a general lack of appreciation, a lack of respect, not enough remuneration, a lack of a, of a professional development pathway or plan, or standardised tests that remove teacher agency and ownership. Some of these things are school specific or state, or state specific, that specific. They may not be yeah, a, a general um, consensus across the entire teaching profession. So I've just thrown some other sort of examples out there of teacher stresses into the mix. But I guess from my experience, it's a combination of factors. It's not just one thing. It's like death by a thousand cuts. It's a seven day a week workload combined with six different forms to be filled out in order to order a textbook, combined with the, the disgruntled parent who believes their child should have received an A for what really is a C standard piece of work, combined with the excessively rude conduct of a small bunch of kids. It, it just, it just adds, all adds up. It's not one thing. You feel as though you've just too many balls to juggle and sometimes you end up dropping a few. So what can we do about it? Personally, now take this the wrong way, but personally I hate it when management put on a, a morning tea and say things like, we recognise that you've all been a little bit stressed lately, so here's some scones to make it all better. Now don't get me wrong, these little niceties, they do have a place. Even at the very least, they, they bring people together for a bit of a chat, a bit of banter. But if this is all that happens, then it's barely even a band-aid to a large gaping wound. What teachers need, I feel, can be grouped into two categories. Category number one is looking at the organisation and looking at making some systemic organisational change. Number two, and it's having a look at the personal characteristics and skills or, or actions of a small group of teachers or an individual teacher. So it's looking at the big picture or drilling down to the individual person, the individual teacher. So let's look at the first one, the broader organisation. This starts by really listening to the things that cause teacher stress. So if it's the workload, then look at the amount of planning required or the teams required to get this planning done, or the time that can be carved out throughout a week, a term, a year, to get this planning done in preparation for the next term, the next unit, the next year. If it's the excessive marking on weekends, explore the amount of assessment tasks dished out and reduce this. Explore things like integrated assessment tasks where two or three subjects contribute to the task, or the one mark. Kids love these because they are usually project-based and they're usually collaboratively based as well. If it's the excessive administration, examine the process and procedures here. Yes, things like risk assessments, they just simply need to get done. But maybe there is some other human resource that can oversee this. Maybe there is some streamlining of the process that can be achieved. Maybe there is a redundant piece of this process that can be removed. 
if it's the poor student behavior that contributes to stress. Maybe the school needs to look at its behavior management practices and consequences. Maybe they simply need to be reinforced and followed through. Maybe they need to be communicated better to the student body and to the parent body and to the staff body for that matter. Parents could be included in this process by reinforcing with them what the expectations are. Really quickly, the keys of behavior management is really quite simple. It's this, be clear on what is expected. Be clear on what will happen when, this, when these expectations aren't met. Implement consequences as per policy. Do not deviate or make special allowances from this policy. And you need to have cabinet solidarity. What does that mean? It means that you can't have several teachers amongst a group of say 30 odd teachers you can't have a small group of teachers allowing bad behavior to go unchecked because it affects the entire staff group. And that means that you know, there's a small, smaller group of teachers that really need to hold the line. So everyone needs to be singing from the same hymn sheet, holding the line, cabinet solidarity, reinforcing the expectations and letting the students know what's going to be happen, happening if those um, you know, expectations aren't met, what the consequences will be, and then following through with those consequences. So when it comes to, so we've looked at you know, the, the broad organisational, school-wide changes or things that may need to be considered to support teachers around their mental health. But when it comes to the personal actions to, to alleviate stress, there's also a few other things we can look at. So there's a lot of advice out there around getting enough sleep, eating well, and, and getting some exercise. I, I think some of these things, well-meaning, but um, yeah, easier said than done. Yeah, if, if it's that simple, it would all be bloody chilled out, yoga-loving gurus living on a diet of kale and, kale and quinoa, but we're not. So here's some other tips. Some may appear a little bit brutal, but, but you know, just take from it what works for you. So number one. If you're one of those teachers who feels the need to get six months of planning done in 48 hours, there's plenty of them out there, work with dozens of them. This is not always helpful to you or your colleagues. You don't need to get all your planning done for the next six months or 12 months in that weekend. You know, you can space it out over a period of time. You can work as part of a team as well to get it done. So it's just not helpful to you, to you or your colleagues to have this mindset. So number one, let go of perfectionism. Set realistic goals per day. Decide what, what can go and what you can let go of and prioritise what needs to get done. And to just determine what's, what's optional, what can be pushed back three months or even 12 months for that matter. Here's another little tip. Maybe you're the teacher out there who overcommits. I've been this person from time to time, particularly early on in my career. So maybe you have a full teaching load. Maybe amongst this teaching load, you also coach the hockey team. Maybe you look after the athletics group, the throwers or the, 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 the jumpers, etc., as part of the athletics um, team. Maybe you also help out with the debaters at lunch times. So you're full. Okay? You get a pretty full week. But you like to feel needed and you like to contribute to a vibrant school culture that offers a full spectrum of extracurricular activities, all noble things, all noble reasons. So here are some suggestions. So if you find it hard to say no, because you're thinking, oh, I'm going to be letting down my colleagues, letting down admin, letting down the kids, letting down the parents, etc. Sometimes you know deep down that you just need to say no. You need to find a no that you're comfortable with, okay? So what does this mean? Why can't you just say no, Damien? Well, some people, like I said, find it hard just to sort of blurt out no. So you can try something like this, right? So say if someone comes up to you in the playground and says, hi, Damien, can you um, 
I'm really struggling with this, this, the swimming team. I need someone to take over on Wednesday and Thursday mornings to look after the swimmers. Okay, this is an example. You may just want to say something like, like this. Look, I'm really sorry, but I'm just too overextended at the moment to say yes. Have you thought of Billy Bob from the science department? Maybe he's got a bit of extra time. Okay, again, it's a pretty sad little example, I know, but you get the point. Another way of, I guess, finding you know, uh, or just finding a way that you can carve out a bit of extra time in your week, is to give yourself a bit of time to think about it. So if someone does hit you up with a, uh, a job or a task that they want you to do, that's sort of, and, and you're already, your whole week is already full, just say that you'll sleep on it overnight. And you've heard this sort of phrase before, but it, it you don't, it just stops you from automatically saying yes. Okay, so it's, it's as simple as that. And then you can sleep on it overnight. You can think about a bit of a strategy that you may want to sort of come back to the person with to say why you can't take on that task. And then it gives you a bit of breathing space at the very least. Here's another little tip. If you do really want to take the job on, say if you do really want to commit to that, that athletics team or that swimming team or that debating group or that choir group or whatever it may be, then think about what needs to give. So maybe there's something else in your week that you can just drop off. Okay. You can't just keep taking on more and more because ultimately it will detract from what you do in the classroom with your kids and that's the core business of, of schools and that's teaching and learning. Maybe you are that teacher who when colleagues ask about your weekend, you tell them that you mark papers the whole time. Yes, there are those times in the year where this has to be done, but every weekend, really? No, something is wrong with this picture. You're either over-assessing or you are providing excessive feedback to every draft or submission. Either way, you need to reduce this immediately and significantly. May I suggest that you, if you can't do this for yourself, that you consult a trusted colleague, a coach or a mentor. Or failing that, you do go back and do a bit more yoga and Pilates to get a bit of, a bit of perspective on your life. In another episode, I'll talk about mindfulness for teachers, as this alone, I think, is a really big topic and an important topic and can potentially have a big impact on overall teacher well-being. So thank you for listening to episode five. In previous episodes, I've explored primary schooling, secondary schooling and parenting tips for navigating adolescence and schools. So if this interests you, please check these out. Also, if you have feedback for me or if you'd like me to provide some tips on a specific area surrounding teachers, schools, parenting or adolescents, please let me know. Stay safe, guys. See you next time. Take care. I hope you've enjoyed this week's topic. This podcast has been recorded and produced at the Brisbane Podcasting Centre. Before we go, don't forget to click on the subscribe button for this podcast wherever you listen and give it a rating. You can find me on social media such as Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram or contact me via email at dbarry1913 at gmail.com. You can even leave a suggestion for a future topic if you wish. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. I'll have another episode in two weeks. I'm Damien Barry. Thanks for listening to Primal Learning.